0: Well, good morning. Good to see you all here today. Those who remembered to change their clocks last night, so it's so good. And we'll see who shows up in about 45 minutes' time. It would be fun if we just pretended we hadn't started yet when they get here, right? Anyway. So good to see you as we come on the second Sunday of Lent to follow Jesus as he walks toward the cross that he takes on our behalf. We just have a couple of quick announcements. Uh, church council will meet on March 22nd at 7 p.m. Uh, please wear your masks and observe social distancing as much as possible. Um, so next week is the last official week where the province says we should. We still need to wear masks, but I'm going to suggest that beyond that, uh, that we strongly recommend wearing masks in the church. The church council will meet on the 22nd to discuss further, but. I know I'll still be wearing my mask as as much as possible. As far as offering goes, there's a box at the back of the church sitting there next to Joe uh, for your offerings. We're not passing the plates just yet. Also, after church today is our first session for practicing prayer. That's the workshop that I put together. And if you're still interested but didn't get the workbook last week, the workbooks are available. I printed off a few extra, and they're available at the back of the church, and you may still join us this week, if you would like. So feel free to join us for our practicing prayer workshops. Uh, I think that's all the announcements I have for today. Oh, yes, um, is Cecil Jackson, uh, our good friend here at Carmen. He passed away this past week. Um, the obituary should be in tomorrow's paper, and but the service will be here Wednesday at 11 a.m. Um, and so our prayers are with the Jackson family in these days. Any other announcements to share today? Okay. Reader's list will be posted. And so check to see if you're on. It's there just through to Easter right now so far, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the yeah. Let's just take a moment now to quiet our hearts as we prepare to worship our God. We light the Christ candle remember Jesus Christ, the light of the world, walks with us each and every moment of every single day. Let us join together in our responsive psalm, Psalm 51.
1: God, I call.
0: Hear my prayer. Have mercy on me, O God, in your great kindness. Wash away all my guilt and cleanse me from my sin. You, you only have I sinned and done evil in your sight. Guilty I have been from my birth, a sinner from the time of my conception.
2: Truth in being. therefore teach me wisdom in my secret
0: heart. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Let, this, let me hear the sounds of joy and gladness. Let you have crushed Turn away your face from my sins. And my
2: God,
1: I call to you for help. In your mercy, hear my prayer.
0: Put a new heart within me, O God. Do not cast me away from your presence.
2: Do not take your Holy
0: Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and strengthen me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Open, O God, open my lips. And then my
2: mouth
1: shall proclaim your grace. God, I call to you for Hear my prayer. You desire no sacrifice
0: or I would give it.
2: You take no delight in blood.
0: The sacrifice you accept, O oh God, is a broken spirit. A broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not
2: despise.
1: God
0: Together in prayer, let us pray. Father God, we come today to experience your presence among us. Help us notice that you are here. We also come aware we sometimes fall short of your plan for our lives. We confess our wrongs to you. Lord, bless us in our time of worship. Bless our words, bless our music, bless our time together so that we are strengthened for the week ahead of us. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Please be seated. Stand and sing together, oh Jesus, I promise. It's like we haven't done this before, you know?
3: Good morning. Good morning. Our scripture reading this morning is from John 18, verses 12 to 27. Jesus is brought to Annas. The Roman officer and his men, together with the temple police, arrested Jesus and tied him up. They took him first to Annas, who was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest. The high priest that year. This was the same Caiaphas who had told the Jewish leader, it is better if one person dies for the people. Simon Peter and another disciple followed Jesus. That disciple knew the high priest and he followed Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest house. Peter stayed outside near the gate, but the other's disciples came back and spoke to the girl at the gate. She let Peter go in, but asked him, aren't you the one of the men Aren't you one of the men? Aren't you one of the man's followers? No, I am not, Peter Peter answered. It was cold and the servants and the temple police had made a charcoal fire. They were warming themselves around it when Peter went over and stood near the fire to warm himself. The high priest the high priest questioned Jesus about his followers and his teachings, but Jesus told him I have spoken freely in front of everyone, and I have always taught in our meeting places and in the temple where all of our people come together. I have not said anything in secret. Why are you questioning me? Why don't you ask the people who heard me? They know what I have said." As soon as Jesus said this, one of the temple police hit him and said, "'That's no way to talk to the high priest.' Jesus answered, If I have done something wrong, say so. If not, why did you hit me? Jesus was still tied up, and Anna sent him to Caiaphas, the high priest. While Simon Peter was standing there warming himself, someone asked him, Aren't you one of Jesus' followers? Again, Peter denied it and said, No, I am not. One of the high priest's servants was there. He was a relative of the servants whose ear Peter had cut off and he asked, didn't I see you in the garden with the man? Once more Peter denied and right then the rooster crowed. May God add blessing to his holy word. Amen.
0: let us pray lord you alone are our strength our shield and we seek to follow you each and every day and so as we gather around your word may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight you who are our rock our strength and our redeemer amen we've all done it at some point in our lives Someone we know has gotten themselves maybe into a little bit of trouble and we deny any knowledge of what is going on or we stand by silently while our friend takes punishment for something, for what they have done. I know I've done it, most notably when I was young, when my friends would have done some sort of stupid thing at school maybe, which I probably witnessed or maybe even had a small part to play in and I kept my distance. I denied any knowledge of the events or any involvement that I might have had, and I know others have done it to me in roughly that same time frame when I did something that maybe wasn't quite so wise either. I suspect many of you may have similar stories to my own. Kids getting into mischief. Nothing too serious, but enough that maybe some discipline was warranted. When I consider the history of my own actions, I feel for Peter. I get what he's going through in John 18 today. Now, the situation he's involved with is far more serious than anything I had ever been part of. His is a matter of life and death, not just for Jesus, but possibly for himself as someone who is close to the accused. There's a fair bit to unpack from our reading from John 18 today. In these 16 verses, Jesus has been arrested. He's taken before the high priest for questioning. And Peter denies knowing Jesus three times. We have entered into the final hours in the life of Jesus. In just uh, maybe 12, 14 hours from now, he will be crucified. And over the rest of the season of Lent, we are going to walk with Jesus through these final days through these final hours, as he heads to the cross of our salvation, where he saved us from our sin by taking it all upon himself for our sake. Now, after Jesus is arrested, he's taken to Annas, the high priest, to see what would happen next. Annas has been counseled by his son-in-law, Caiaphas, who said it would be better for one man to lose his life for the people. They want Jesus dead. Annas questioned Jesus about what he was teaching the people and about the disciples, what's going on, what are they teaching, what is their purpose. He wanted to know. He needed to assess the threat against the teachings of the church and the reputation of the church. He needed to know what Jesus was up to. And so Jesus answered, "I have spokenly, spoke openly to the world. I've always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all the Jews come together, together. I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who heard what I said to them. They know what I said. That's the response of Jesus. In other words, if you want to know what I've been up to, what I've been teaching, ask those whose lives have been impacted by it. Ask those who received what he offered them and ask them what it has meant for them. Now this is a little bit of mouthing off when you think about it. And in the room it seems to be the same way because one of the police, one of the guards strikes Jesus in the face. It says, that's no way to speak to the high priest. And then Jesus responded If I've spoken wrongly, testify to the wrong. But if I've spoken rightly, why do you strike me? And he's got a point. Jesus is not wrong here. Jesus has been dragged in front of a judge who does not want to hear the testimony of anyone else, of any eyewitnesses to what he has been doing. Annas has only been listening to those who object to Jesus and his teachings Those whose reputations are at risk because of what Jesus is teaching. These radical teachings around love and forgiveness, grace and mercy. From the outset, this is in no way, shape or form any sort of fair trial for someone who is innocent. His accusers control every moment of the the situation. And they will do whatever it takes to protect themselves. Meanwhile, while all this is going on, Peter is following along, but he's following at a safe distance. He's watching from afar as Jesus is being interrogated by the religious leaders of the day behind closed doors. In this cool night, Peter was outside the gate trying to gather information about what's going on from people who are kind of coming and going through the gate. Another disciple is on the inside. We're not sure who it is, but it's presumed to be John. And John pulls some strings with the gatekeeper, who interestingly enough is a woman. You wouldn't expect that. But he talks to her and convinces her to let Peter inside the courtyard. And so she does. And as Peter's coming in, she stops him and asks him, you're one of his disciples, aren't you? And Peter replies, I am not. Once he's inside on this cold night, Peter gathers around one of the fire pits that is is lit to keep people warm in the courtyard. And he's standing there among the slaves and the police. And the slaves would be the ones who clean and do chores around this, this mansion that the high priests live in. And they're all standing around the fire warming themselves. And they ask Peter, you're one of his disciples, right? And Peter says, I am not. And then one of the slaves, and we're told he's a relative of the one that Peter took the ear off of with his sword in the garden during the arrest. And he speaks up and he says, did I not see you there in the garden with him? Now, Now we've got an eyewitness, someone who was in the garden when Jesus was being arrested. He saw everyone who was there and he identifies Peter. And what does Peter do? He denies knowing Jesus or being a follower of Jesus a third time. And then the cock crows, just as Jesus had predicted a couple of hours before. So what has happened to Peter? Peter is quite possibly the the disciple that Jesus trusted most. Peter is the one that Jesus took with him wherever he went. Peter is the one who listened to Jesus and stepped out of the boat and walked on water when no one else in the the boat would move an inch. What has happened to Peter? When Jesus needs him most, Peter denies him and hides, basically, Why did I stay silent when my friends got in trouble? Why did I shy away from those moments, especially if maybe my friends didn't do everything they were being accused of? Well, I did that because I didn't want to get into trouble too. Because I was afraid of what might happen to me if I associate with myself with those who are known to be causing trouble. I was afraid. And I believe Peter was afraid too. He was afraid of what might happen to him if it was found out that he was such a close follower of Jesus. He was afraid that whatever punishment was coming to Jesus would come for for him next. But we might think, yeah, but, but this is Jesus. This is the Messiah, the Savior of the world. He lives. What's Peter so afraid of? Well, in this moment, Peter's not sure of these things. We have the benefit of knowing the rest of the story. We know the victory that is coming on Easter morning when Jesus walks out of the grave, defeating sin and death. We know this is coming. Peter, he's not so sure. He doesn't know this. All Peter really knows is that his friend and his teacher is in the palace being interrogated by people who want him dead. He knows it's late at night. He knows the Passover's coming. The, the city is packed full of people. He's cold. He's trying to stay warm. He's trying to keep tabs on everything that's going on in the chaos. He's trying to gather information from people who are going in and out of the palace as he stands in the courtyard. He fears for his friend's life. He's afraid he's going to lose someone who is really, really important to him. And he's afraid of what might happen to himself if it's discovered just who he is. It's not until months later that Peter fully understands the significance of this night. It's not for months that Peter discovers the meaning of it all and why it had to happen this way. He hasn't abandoned Jesus when he denies him. He's still there. He's still in the courtyard. He's still trying to keep up to, up to date on what is happening as things unfold. But he's acting out of fear. And I know I would have done the same thing. As much as today I say I love Jesus, I follow him, I trust him, as much as I want to share my story with others so that they know how he has impacted my life if I were in the place of Peter on that night I would have done the same thing because I know I would have been afraid too but you know what Peter didn't stay afraid when he understood by the power of the Holy Spirit some weeks later the victory that's been won for him and for all God's children Peter was no longer afraid Peter became a great leader in the church. Jesus even said he would be. Peter went on to build the early church and bring many people into relationship with our Father in heaven by telling them about his life, his death, and his resurrection. And by doing the same works that Jesus did himself, Peter proclaimed Jesus. Now, you know Jesus wasn't the only one who healed people in the New Testament. Peter did, as did all the other church leaders. They all healed people. In fact, Peter would walk down the road and people would be healed alongside the road as his shadow passed over them. Peter had no more fear because he finally knew the end of the story. He finally knew the meaning of the cross and the victory of the resurrection. He understood Which brings me to the church today. What is our driving motivation? What is our driving emotion? Is it joy? Is it love? Or is it fear? Which Peter are we? Are we the Peter who's in the courtyard, alone and afraid? Or are we the Peter walking in the countryside a few months later, powerful, confident, full of life, If we're the Peter of the Courtyard, I have to ask, why? Why are we the Peter of the Courtyard? Because if we're the Peter of the Courtyard, it means we're hiding our association with Jesus. It means we're living in fear. And what do we have to be afraid of? Here in Canada, we have no fear of persecution because we call ourselves Christians. We have no fear for our lives. Now, there are places in the world where where Christians do need to be in fear for their lives, but that's not the case here in Canada. We can follow Jesus as openly and as freely as we wish here in Canada and in North America. So what are we afraid of? Are we afraid of what other people will think of us? Are we afraid to call us Jesus freaks or weirdos? Is that what we're afraid of? What is our fear and I do believe we live in a certain amount of fear. Could it be we're afraid that we'll mess up? That we, what we say could be wrong? Are we afraid that people will think we're weird? Are we afraid that instead of drawing and bringing people into the church, that we'll push them away? Is that what we're afraid of? Maybe, maybe these things are what we're afraid of. But in reality, people have been rejecting the church in record numbers for the last 20 years here in North America. But at the same time, they've been rejecting the church. I'm not sure they've been rejecting God. Not yet. Because when you talk to the people who've stepped away from the church, they'll call themselves uh, spiritual but not religious. And I agree with them. They are very spiritual people. They, they, they buy into all sorts of new age ideas. Uh, they love to get out into nature and ground themselves in nature and connect with a creator or whatever. There's all sorts of spiritual practices that have uh, emerged over the last number of decades. And frankly, a lot of them are actually based on Christian principles. They've just taken God out of it. People are seeking meaning in their lives. And as I observed through the last two years of the pandemic, I I believe that this has only heightened people's needs for spiritual meaning. They are asking for spiritual guidance. They really are. But they don't know where to find it. And for some who look to the church, they're not even seeing it here. Because we live in fear. Jesus suffered under an unfair trial. He suffered a horrible, bloody beating at the hands of the Roman guards. He suffered as he was forced to drag the cross, the instrument of his execution, through the streets after being beaten within an inch of his life. And then he suffered as he hung there on the cross taking his final breath. Yet he had no fear. He had no fear because he did it for you. He did it for those we encounter every single day of our lives. Yet many of them don't know it. And even if they do know the story of the execution of Jesus, I don't think they understand the price he paid for it for them. So if they don't know the price he paid for them, then they don't understand the power and the victory that the resurrection brings on Easter morning. And we live in fear. We live in fear because of what we think the world will say to us or think of us when we say we're Christian. There's no need for fear. Peter realized that on the day of Pentecost when he received the Holy Spirit, he realized there's no need for fear anymore and he went out into the street and proclaimed Jesus alive and risen and thousands of people joined the church that day. He taught them about the resurrected Lord and the life that he brings, Jesus brings to those who follow him. We must celebrate the victory the victory Jesus won for us and live the life of joy and love that he invites us to live. He invites us to cast off our fears and live with confidence in knowing Jesus Christ lives for you, for me, and for all God's children all over this world. The cock has already crowed. The denials are done. Peter stopped denying he knew Jesus. He stopped living in fear and he lived for the Lord for the rest of all his days. He was instrumental in building Christ's church. He was instrumental in changing the world in which he lived all for the better for those who are weak and suffering of his day. What can we learn from the story of Peter? How can we cast off all of our fear and live for Jesus Christ? He is the Son of God, the one who gave his life for our sin so that we may live with him forever. We have good news to share. Let's not live in fear anymore. Let's live our lives for Jesus Christ, the one who gives us strength to continue the work he started and invites us to be part of the work that he still does today as those who follow him. Jesus Christ, he lives And he leads us into life, both here on this earth and in the life still to come. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us sing together, Jesus, keep me near the cross. Let us join our hearts together in a time of prayer. Let us pray. Loving and gracious God, we come giving thanks. Thanks for the life you have given us. Through the death, your death on the cross, through the victory of the resurrection Oh God, you have brought us life through your son, Jesus Christ. And we give you thanks we give you thanks O god for the many blessings of life in which we share especially here in canada lord we thank you but we also come lifting up the prayers for those who are around us we continue to pray for the people of ukraine lord it is terrible what is happening in that beautiful country what is happening to your beautiful children and we cry out with prayers of peace. We cry out with prayers of love and hope for that nation. We cry out with prayers for Russia, that cooler heads may prevail and that the war may end. Lord, we pray that you will intervene in this conflict, this war and bring peace to the people of both Ukraine and Russia and the neighboring countries that are around it we thank you god for all who are responding with help and support uh, who are rushing to the aid of the ukrainian people but lord we do we do pray for peace we pray for healing of their lives oh god we cannot imagine what they are going through in these days lord we pray for those who are around us for our loved ones our friends our family We pray for those who are sick, for those who are in mourning. We pray for those who are waiting for surgeries or tests. Lord, we pray that you'll bring healing to their lives, to bring comfort, to bring hope. And Lord, if there is any way in which we as individuals or a church can be part of that healing process, oh God, we ask that you let us know, that you speak into our hearts. And let us hear what you have in in store for your people. Lord, we lift up to you now the names on our hearts this day. Lord, we lift your people up to you. We pray for those who are anxious. We pray for those who are cold this day. We pray for those who live in fear. Lord, we pray for those who seek you but don't even know it. Lord, we pray that there be a great awakening, that your Spirit will blow across this land and people will come to know the sacrifice you have made through, for us through your Son, Jesus Christ. For it's in his name we pray and we pray the prayer that he taught us our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil for thine is the kingdom the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Our closing hymn today is If You Will Trust in God to God You. Friends, go today knowing Jesus Christ walks with you every step of your journey, that he gives you strength to cast away all fear so that you may live for him and so that others may know him through you. Let us go now in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, and each and every one of us, now and forever. Amen.